Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Shaka Cummings here, FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. I'm here with my boy Parker Ainsworth. What's going on, P? Hey, what's going on, Shaq? Life is good. I have no complaints. We're going to start the pod a little bit differently this week. We're going to go with some gold stars and some kids who need to be in detention. So, hey, Parker, what gold stars, what detention do you have this week? Uh, my gold star goes to Chris Paul amidst rumors he's going to be traded to the Knicks this summer. Uh, that apparently didn't make him too happy. He was caught on camera walking into the Madison Square Garden saying, quote, they're trying to take some of that attention away from that Spike Lee stuff. <laughs> and then uh, about an hour or two later, he is seen on the floor with, quote, do the right thing <laughs> written on the sole <laughs> of the sneakers <laughs> as if he needed to take more jabs at the Knicks and James Dolan. Um my detention for the week, I'm going to give it a detention for the week, uh, would go to whoever decided they needed to tighten up the rims in the Toyota Center uh, <laughs> because that really took away from what could have been a lot of fun on Thursday night. Uh, was it? I think the final count was uh, six for 36 on three-pointers with no one within four feet or more of a rocket. That is not good shooting. What you got, Shaka? So uh, my gold star for the week is going to go to Major League Baseball and whoever made the decision to mic up players because Anthony Rizzo needs a permanent microphone affixed to him. He is hilarious. <laughs> He's standing in the batter's box, 
and they're asking him, hey, what pitch do you think is coming? What are you anticipating? And he's like, I don't know. Somebody better bang on a garbage can. And I just died. Whoever decided <laughs> to mic up players, that was an awesome idea. My detention for the week goes to the Brooklyn Nets. And as a Knicks fan, I love putting the Brooklyn Nets in detention. I don't know who made the call to get rid of Kenny Atkinson. But Kenny Atkinson, over the last two years, has made a New Jersey Nets uh, – New Jersey – that's me going back, made a Brooklyn Nets team competitive, and he definitely deserves a lot of credit for that versus losing his job. So whoever is making that decision needs to be in detention. We're going to move into the segments this week. We're going to talk a little bit Steph Curry as he's coming back. We're going to talk James Dolan as well, so we'll get into the Knicks a little bit. And then we got a new segment that we'll do at the end where we take attendance from some of our accounts that they've been interacting with us uh, via Twitter. So without further ado, Parker, are you ready? Ready when you are, Shagger. All right, Parker. So our first thesis statement this week is about the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry. The thesis statement reads, the Golden State Warriors should not let Steph Curry play this season. We're going to change things up a little bit this week, Parker. I want to hear the grade first. So if I read that thesis statement to you, how would you grade it? I give that thesis statement a D, I think. What do you give it, Shaga? I think that with that thesis statement, I'm going to settle out at a C. There's some complicating factors. So, yeah, I think a C is a solid grade. Okay, Parker, so you gave the thesis statement a D. That's harsh. Talk to me about that. Well, I have I have a lot of angles here, but my first angle is that this is – this is assuming Steph Curry doesn't want to play basketball. Like, guess what? They're paying him $40 million this year to play basketball. And, like, call me crazy for thinking he should play some basketball. I also, like, there are 20 games left as they stand currently. They have the worst record in the league, and they are five games away from the third worst record in the league. And the top three, the bottom three, I should say, the top three, the bottom three all have a, the same shot at the number one overall pick. I think 20 games left in the season is would be a very short amount of time to make up those five games, even if you add a guy like Steph Curry. Um, I, I just I, I, I call me crazy. I think basketball players should be playing basketball, especially when it's like doesn't look like they're gonna get any different odds than their one pick, regardless. What do you think? You gave it a C, like you didn't exactly think super highly of it. So there's there's a couple of angles, right? As you mentioned, the first thought that I have in my mind is that that draft pick. So, like, an, immediately my mind goes to tank, 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 because you've already been performing so poorly. And then I do the research in terms of how that pick, that top pick in the draft, is selected. And you're right, the bottom three teams have the exact same percentage. So it doesn't feel like Steph Curry coming back should impact whether or not the Golden State Warriors get the top pick in the draft if the bottom three teams in the league in terms of record all have the same shot at that top pick, except that it's Steph Curry. And when you look at the other teams that are involved in trying to get that pick, you got the Cleveland Cavaliers, you have the Atlanta Hawks, you have the New York Knicks, you have the Minnesota Timberwolves. Those are all teams that have not won 20 games at this point in the season with 20 games left. The Hawks, Knicks and Timberwolves all have 19 wins. Cleveland has 17, and then Golden State has 14. 
Steph Curry is clearly the best player involved with any of those squads. Is he good enough where he can get Golden State on a run and shift those numbers so that Golden State somehow ends up with a 12.5% chance of getting the top pick instead of a 14% or a 10% chance instead of a 14%. And the reality is, you know, you hear those percentages, you're like, those numbers are so minuscule, just go ahead and play them. Okay, it's just go ahead and play them until you don't get that top pick. And I'm a Knicks fan. I'm thinking back to the Knicks last year. And when they did not get Zion, it felt like, man, you failed in the draft, even though they got a player like R.J. Barrett. Golden yeah. State feels like James Wiseman is the pick. And so whatever you need to do to make sure that Wiseman ends up on your team, it feels like you need to do. And so that's where my mind goes immediately. So you bring up last year's lottery draft or lottery picks, and I, I want to point out that, like, the teams that got the top picks were not necessarily uh, the top pick, especially were not the teams with the worst record. I I also don't necessarily think that while Steph Curry is a big game changer, he's clearly the best player on any of the teams you mentioned. Like Atlanta could have one of those games where Trey Young gets you forty five or fifty and they win. And Minnesota looks a lot different when they have D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns than when they had Andrew Wiggins and Anthony and Carl Anthony Towns. And again, those guys could end up winning a couple games like I don't I don't, I don't think it's like they have to go 0 for 20 in their next few games it's and even if they did go you know get to 22 wins and someone stays around 20 wins they don't get you know they get 10% not 14% last year we saw that 14% went enough I just don't think that it's necessarily worked its way out to the point where like they have no shot at the top pick if they play Steph Curry right now, and it's just not worth it. I think there's lots of value in playing him. So the one piece that I would counter based on the perspective that you offered is the Atlanta Hawks, New York Knicks, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Cleveland Cavaliers are all in a very different boat with their best players as compared to Golden State in that they will get to some point toward the end of the year where they'll just rest those guys or they'll say that those guys are injured and then they're done. So you're right. Trey Young is obviously as capable as anyone for going for 60. And the Hawks might just say, you know what? The last 15 games, he's done. He's tweaked his hamstring. He's out. If you're bringing Steph back, that won't happen, right? He's going to play these games. Steph Curry is such a dynamic force for Golden State. Just that game that we saw last week against Toronto, that's a team that Toronto would have put away in the first half without Steph Curry. That's a team that doesn't have a ton on it other than Steph and Wiggins. And they're in that that game the whole way. Uh, and so if they could do that against a team like Toronto, that's the second best team in the East, man, when they start playing some of these poor teams here at the end of the season, especially if folks decide that they're going to rest guys, it feels like Golden State could easily pick up with 10 wins. Is it unreasonable to say that Golden State could go 10 and 10 in their last 20? And then – that's going to end up shifting those percentage numbers for him, which would be a tough deal. Because, again, I feel like they want James Wiseman, and I feel like you're going to need the first pick in the draft to probably get him. I think that he's going to end up shaking out being the consensus number one pick. Uh, and before we get into who the pick is and stuff like that, I think it is interesting that like they've already, as we sit here recording this, said he is not playing against the Sixers uh, on Saturday night, or at least that was a report this morning. So it's not that he's back for every game, but 
there is value to me in playing him from his, you know, bo- both his, you know, mental health and where he's sitting. Um, and I also do think it's like kind of crazy that even as great as Steph Curry is, he and a team of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a bunch of G League looking guys, not to say that they won't have, you know, Pascal may have a great career and, and Wiggins may have a new blossoming career. No, G, G League is fair. You don't have to. <laughs> G I mean, League is anyway, fair. I don't want to be swallowing my words when a guy that's 21 ends up being really good at 31 because that's what happened with Steph Curry. Um, no, I, I think the deal is that if you watch this G League-ish looking team with him, they're still very likely not going to win a lot of games, right? I mean, Steph Curry is great, but he is coming back from entry. It is just 20 games. They've made it very clear he's not going to play in all of these games if he's not going to play in the Sixers game. And he's on a minutes restriction. I only played 27 minutes the other night. Like, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that they could still load manage his way into losses and potentially lose even if he played 30 or 32 minutes. And I think it's good for him. I think you're talking about a guy that spent a lot of the first part of his career dealing with major injuries in his ankles and legs and had to like relearn how to run, right? And now he's got another somewhat major injury. He took a big fall the other night in Toronto game, and they were talking about it like, man, that's the exact same kind of fall that he got hurt on, and he got up fine. Like I think there's something comforting to him. Never mind the aspect that like one of the like hallmark things about Steph Curry is how much he just like loves playing in basketball games and competing, and like the heart of the young of the little guy is like the big thing about Steph Curry, and like. Hey, maybe he just wants to play. Like, like I, I don't think that's hard to rule. That's impossible to rule out either. I get why they didn't play him and why they were so, you know, slow with bringing him back and why he missed fifty-eight games. I'm just, I don't think with twenty games left, they really have to worry about what's going to happen to their draft pick. So, the piece that I agree with you on, and this is why it ends up kind of shaking out for a C in my mind in terms of that thesis statement is there's value in playing Steph Curry. The value that I see in playing him specifically is finding out what he can do with Andrew Wiggins. Because now that you've traded for Andrew Wiggins and you've brought him in, you need to know how he's going to fit with the rest of the dudes who are going to be competing for a championship next year. And you can't figure out how he's going to play with Clay because Clay's out. But you can figure out how he can play with Draymond and how he fits with Steph, and that's important. So it feels like bringing him back, if it's only to see how that interaction goes, there's probably value to it. Now, here's something that I think we both have to consider as we look at this claim, and and you may have looked at this already, Parker, but just for our listeners, in case they have not, I have the schedule pulled up for Golden State. And so looking at the games that they have as we wrap up the season here you, you, as you mentioned he's going to load manage philly right he's he's out for that one they got the clippers a couple of times including the third to last game of the season where there's no way Kawhi leonard's playing in that game so Kawhi's not playing paul george is probably not playing because i'm assuming the playoff seating is going to be pretty much wrapped up by then right they got a game against but the Lakers. We'll and know a lot more as that game gets closer. If they have a seed locked up, you're probably right. If they don't, you know, if that two through four spot is not locked up, they may want to play and not play the Lakers in the first round. Like, I don't, I, in the I, second round, I think that's crazy. I don't think that's crazy. I think that what the Clippers would end up saying is we value Kawhi 
feeling 100% going into the playoffs or feeling as healthy as he possibly can going into the playoffs over any matchup. So we're in a, in a league where Kawhi has had a lot of say in which games he's going to play over the last two years, Kawhi could just say, I'm not playing, regardless of what the Clippers may want him to do. And that's fair. That's also that's not the thesis. That's fair. I just I don't want to just jump to say I'm 100 percent certain Kawhi will set that game. But sure. no, absolutely. Even we did see that without Kawhi or Paul George, they're not a bad team. Without no, them. and they will play a team like Golden State with Steph Curry hard, especially if uh, if Beverly's playing. Right? He's right. he's going to play hard regardless. They have the Lakers in their last five games of the season. The Lakers have already clinched the playoff spot. Again, that's a team that could potentially load manage. Uh, we're looking at uh, some games against teams that right now are not in the mix for the playoffs. Sacramento's their last game. Portland, uh, in the second half of the season here, they play Atlanta. They play Cleveland. Uh, it's very possible that those teams will decide to load manage against Golden State with the anticipation that Golden State will play Steph. So we're going to sit our guys to ensure that we lose to those guys in case there's any matchup, tiebreaker type of scenarios that might come up. So there, there's some possibility here in terms of games at the end of the season. They play Brooklyn this week, and that's – I mean, that's a team that's now in turmoil without their head coach. I, there's a definitive possibility that they could win some games here. I mean, there's definitely some games that look like losses as well, right? They, they got Milwaukee in Milwaukee, Toronto in Toronto. If Toronto could beat them with Steph in Golden State, they probably can take care of them at home, right? There's some of those as well, but then there's the Knicks. Like, there's just a few of those games in there, too. There's but enough of those thing. that uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe go to State could pull out 10 wins and all of a sudden it adjusts that percentage. But you, you said it. There's just a few of those games, and there's just a few, and they have a five-game lead assuming that those teams lose all of their games. Like, I, I don't, I just don't think that it's, it's an unsafe lead, if you will, on the best odds of the number one pick, especially considering that – if they got to 20 wins, they're not necessarily out of it because the bottom three teams all have the same odds at the pick. Also, in, so in looking at WebMD, you're talking about where you did research. I did look at their schedule. They have winnable and losable games left. Um, the most a fracture with surgery in a guy's hand is supposed to take for WebMD, if it really is just a fractured bone with surgery replacing it towards set right, said the most was eight weeks. He said out 58 games. He's been out long enough. Like, this is a long, long time. He he ought to play. They're paying him $40 million to play. They have a brand new arena and what is technically a new city. Same market, but new city. Like, lots of people in the, seat, in the seats to fill. Had a really down year. Having some feel-good moments with Steph, I think, is important to the Warriors. Just like a good pick in this year's draft is important to the Warriors. Um, and we can we can disagree about what that we think they may do with the pick. Not that I don't think Wiseman's the top pick in the draft. I just wonder if they look to, to swap it for something. Um, I could definitely see that. I think that if they draft a guy, Wiseman is the guy who Golden State right. will take. I don't even necessarily think that Wiseman has to be the number one. I just think he's the best fit for Golden State. But you're right. They absolutely could trade the pick. Uh, I actually had the thought that if Wiggins doesn't perform, could you, could package, you could package that. Wiggins. Yeah, but absolutely. You don't really have that option if you don't know how it works out. Because the ceiling for a Wiggins is like he's the second coming of an Andre Iguodala in the sense that he does everything but shoot threes very well for them. And he does he guards bigs, he's long, he hustles, he rebounds. That's the ceiling. The floor is you trade him and your top pick and you get something else back. And they need to kind of see in the next 20 games what that looks like. 
I don't think it's crazy to play Steph and try and figure that out. Like I, I just, I get, I get why you didn't play him for the majority of that fifty-eight game stretch that he missed. I get going for the number one pick on a season like this for the Warriors and hitting this reset button after a half, half a decade of dominance, kind of resetting and rebuilding for the next decade. Um, I get all of that. What's funny is I am the biggest Warriors hater on Twitter. Like, people really come, like, Warriors World blocked me. Like, people, ever since that 2018 game seven, <laughs> people have really gone after me as this Warriors hater. And I think they're doing this exactly right. I yep. would have sat him for 60 ish games. That's what they did. Probably have the number one pick overall. I think it's kind of locked up, or at least the best odds at it locked up. That's what they did. They're playing stuff to sell some tickets and jerseys and so on and get ready for next year and see what the fit looks like. That's what they're doing. They're doing this all exactly right on my playbook, and anyone that follows me on Twitter, at Painsworth 512 assumes that I hate everything about the Bay Area. And they're not entirely wrong, but I think they did this exactly <laughs> right. Let me just say, there's so many things in there. Number one, love that you got to drop your Twitter handle. We'll do that at the end. Don't worry about it. I also, um, I love that you got blocked by Golden State. Like, <laughs> like you got, no, like, Warrior fans is, blocked you? It's some, it's some Warriors blog, at Warriors World, and in 2018, during that Game 7, you know, the game that Houston filed the audit on Scott Foster and found out they missed out on 81 potential points or whatever. Like, I was sitting there tweeting at Warriors World, like, shut up. You're getting all these calls. Stop acting like... I, I, I was calling it then, shock. I was sitting there then saying, the Warriors are getting every single whistle here. What's going on? It's an eight-point game. Why can't they get this figured out? The Rockets lose by nine in a game that... The audit points out, not that audits ought to be how we do basketball games, but the audit points out they should have had another 81 potential points. And I was in there saying it then. And Warriors World is this like, I don't know, don't go follow them. They blocked me. But Warriors World is this like blogger site that like loves the Warriors and everything in the Bay Area. And they blocked me. I don't even, I don't even think I said anything specifically at them. They just found me and blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you just be careful with all that Warriors talk before E40 come find you, right? That's what you gotta, that's what you really gotta worry about. <laughs> all right, Shaka, time for this week's history lesson. As two history teachers, we might as well teach history lesson every so often. This week's history lesson involves the following thesis. Adam Silver should invoke his authority to have James Dolan removed as owner of the Knicks. Now, this is a history lesson that does feel relatively current after the last week's <laughs> events. What do you grade that thesis, Shaka? I need everyone to know that I grew up a New York Knicks fan, and I still, to this day, root for the Knicks. And I so badly want James Dolan to not own the Knicks. I need to start with that so everyone understands exactly what my heart tells me. My head says that that thesis statement is an F. Even though my heart, <laughs> in my heart of hearts, I want James Dolan removed. Parker, what do you think? Well, I, I have to gather my thoughts. I'm sitting here in shock. I think my, my jaw's on the ground. <laughs> I give that thesis statement a very simple, like, B. It's almost too obvious for me, Shaka. And so I, I gave it a B because I'm like, man, think of something more difficult to argue. So I'm interested to see where you take this one. Okay, Shaka. You at least floored one listener and myself in saying that you <laughs> gave that, plan, that thesis an F. So you got to explain yourself a little bit there. Why did that thesis flunk? So here's the deal, right? 
if we go back to the moment that Adam Silver utilized his authority to remove one of his bosses, it was the Donald Sterling craziness. It involved racism. It involved players wanting to revolt. It involved embarrassment for the league based on a social context that could have impacted sponsorships, revenue. It felt like the commissioner needs to jump in and really do something here. And I want to take a second and compare the Clippers to the Knicks prior to that situation with Donald Sterling. Because what the Knicks have been for the last 20-plus years of James Dolan being in charge of the franchise is actually quite similar to what the Clippers were under Donald Sterling for the overwhelming majority of the time that he was the owner, which is they were a laughingstock. The Clippers were the laughingstock of the NBA. They were the laughingstock of sports. And whenever you talked about a loser franchise, you invoked the name of the Clippers. And the Knicks, absolutely. And the Knicks are now that, right? Now the Knicks are that franchise whose name you invoke when you want to make fun of a loser franchise. We did not say that Donald Sterling needed to be removed as an owner because the Clippers sucked and he was awful as an owner. Now we would be doing that simply because James Dolan sucks and he's awful as an owner. Now I understand that there's a little more to it with the way that he interacts with fans and how he's interacted with some of his former players. So we can definitely have those discussions and maybe that would like sway me a bit toward, okay, I can kind of understand the point that you're coming at me with. And I still, I don't know that I will ever get there. There needs to be something that's going to impact the revenue generation and the image of the league beyond just the fact that this guy's a schmuck and the team loses. He's been in charge of the franchise since 1999. You can go, they, I mean, the, the amount of times that we've made the playoffs, the number of stupid decisions that he's made between Phil Jackson and Isaiah Thomas, I don't know that being a bad owner is enough to have the franchise taken away from you. So what are your thoughts, Parker? So I agree that just saying because you run a team poorly in the sense that you don't get a lot of wins or losses seems like an odd reason to take someone out of their job like there are other aspects of the job besides winning and losing he is not on the floor playing he's not coaching i get all that it has been like you're saying a little over 20 years of him running this franchise more or less into the ground and by into the ground i mean regardless of what the last week's events and this may continue to fold in the next coming weeks because spike lee continues to be very vocal i go back to last summer when you had two marquee free agents that wanted to play in the city of new york decide not to play for the new york knicks because everyone assumed they wanted culture and then as we woke up to on saturday morning they're firing head of said culture and kenny atkinson it's really looking more and more like they just wanted to not play for that franchise and that is an indictment in itself to me um if you go back the funny thing is when you look up information around this, you start Googling things and you look at the dates. There are articles written in 2010 and 11, 10 years ago, saying this needed to be done. 
there are articles written around the time of Donald Sterling, like you're saying, saying that they should also kick out James Dolan while they're at it. There are articles written in the middle of the Stefan Marbury years saying they should get rid of James Dolan. I don't understand why he's still here, right? Um, this is a common argument for the entirety of his tenure. You know, I, I could sit here and look at basketball reasons. I think of the way he functions and uses the team as his own personal connection to Madison Square Garden as a misuse of his role as the team owner. And I think that is punishable. Um, he clearly is obsessed with his own band and his own, like, going to be a rock star mentality. He kicks gigs out of Madison Square Garden and brings gigs into Madison Square Garden for music events based on who lets he and his band open, you know? And, and he seems way more obsessed with that than he is about winning basketball games. Um, he also is super flippant to Knicks fans. And he, you know, I could bring up a few different points and we'll go down that path, but that I'll go more into that in a second, but does that not strike you as being, you know, being flippant to fans using it as your own way to plug your own band? Does those not strike you as impeachable offenses as the owner of a franchise? No, not really. Even though again, in my heart, I want to say yes. But if I'm looking at this logically, no. The reality is his company owns MSG. So if his company owns the garden, yeah, he gets to decide which acts are in the garden. Like, that's that's the deal. Um, now, I'm not saying that I would decide who's going to play my venue based on who would let my band open, especially because my band sucks. But he gets to do that because he owns he owns Madison Square Garden. That's his company. Now so, I want to hear you on the ones and twos, Shaq. I want to hear what you got. Yo, let me just tell you, like if it came down to a little bit of rap, I got published poetry out there, y'all. Um, <laughs> and I, even with his interactions with the fans, if we could point to something that tangibly said he's impacting the value of the franchise – then maybe we could say, okay, the way that he treats fans, the way that he treats media, the way that he's interacted with other owners or front office personnel, like he's impacting the value of the franchise, which impacts the value of the league. Okay, then that might be an argument to consider, you know, getting rid of Dolan. The reality is the Knicks continue to be the most valuable franchise, according to Forbes magazine, year after year. And when we look at their revenue that they generate, the Knicks generate revenue as well as any franchise in sports. So even with the negatives that come with Dolan in terms of how he interacts with fans, the basketball decisions that he makes, the the music decisions that he makes, he, he's not hurting the league. And unfortunately, we're not in a, at a point here where we're saying that, Donald, that uh, James Dolan being an idiot is impacting best interests of the league. Uh, in in reality, I mean, I would imagine the other owners, this is perfect. Like, listen, we even put a second team in New York. So now we're not going to hurt the overall New York market, which is incredibly valuable to the league because free agents will go to New York. They just won't play for the Knicks. One of the worst things that could have happened for Knicks fans was for the New Jersey Nets to go to Brooklyn because now that gave free agents another option if they wanted to come to New York. And we saw – Free agents will, will take advantage of that if they truly want to come to New York. Well, we saw that last summer. 
I agree that it, it is in the best interest of the league to have another franchise in New York. I'd argue the best interest of the league is actually I had two more franchises. You put one in Vancouver and one in Seattle. You move a couple of the West over the East. We could do that whole thing if you want to. My my real thing, I think, with this is you're saying it's not hurting revenue. And I don't know that I concretely agree. They also have been sitting at about $4 billion or 3 to $4 billion for a while now. The Lakers in 2014 were with Kobe on the team. Or I guess Kobe was yeah still on the team. They were about one and a half, and there was a big gap between one and two. As we get closer to 2020 and moving into the next decade, the Lakers have caught up. They're at about three and a half as well, right? They're they're much closer. It's it's the gap. The it's depending on which list you look at, Forbes versus CNN versus whoever. The gap looks like it's between a half a billion and a billion dollars, which is a lot, but it's also cutting the gap into fractions of what it was. And so I would say that that is. A indictment on him because if other teams are growing and he's kind of stagnant, that's a bad thing. The what you can look at there is you can you you pointed out the the first name that we need to talk about, which is that the Lakers had Kobe Bryant, and now they have LeBron James. I mean the the what we could say there in terms of the Knicks not growing in revenue is just that they haven't been able to draft a star player. Now the free agents haven't come. If the ping pong balls go to Zion Williamson then the Knicks' value would be what? That's what I'm saying. So, like, it's when we start talking about, you know, the Lakers' value, the Lakers are able to draw free agents unlike the Knicks are able to do, so that helps the Lakers' value. If we say that we, we go ahead and we give you the point that the Knicks won't be able to draw free agents as long as Dolan is there, so their value will stay stagnant, then the other way to bring in marquee players is through the draft. And that's a that's a crapshoot. So now we're just going to say that because he's bad at ownership that he needs to go. Like, in no other so franchise bad. would we say that. There's no other he's sport so franchise. I think it's impacting the revenue, though. And you just said that the revenue being hurt was – I mean, obviously there's more to the Clippers thing, but revenue being hurt was a part of that. And he's so bad at this, it is hurting – big league-wide revenue in my opinion i think that is a thing i i also think this gets back to a bigger point about ownership though that is revenues aside and it seems very obvious that so many nba franchises get this right and the new york knicks get this wrong you know the chief operating officer of the golden state warriors rick welt said that the best owners are the ones that understand that they don't really own the team the fans own the team for a short period of time you are just a steward of that Jeannie Buss has similar comments about the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Ownership across the league in San Antonio and in, you talked about New Orleans, and in Chicago. Fan, fans are really the ones that write this ship. Owners kind of come and go, right? The Knicks fans do not have any reason to be behind this man in front of them, right? He has clearly told them, literally, it, there's an article from 2015, or the news story in 2015 was, he was telling them, fine, if you want to leave us, go be Nets fans. Like, he was telling them that. This is a guy that clearly does not understand what the job is. It's not just that he's so bad I think it's hurting revenue. It's that he does not get what he's supposed to be doing. I'm not saying you take away the garden from him. Let him book whatever music gigs come through and keep putting his crappy garage band in front of everybody. That's fine. I'm talking about the New York Knickerbockers, and they need somebody else in charge if they're going to be treated like an NBA franchise. Okay, but you understand that when you say, oh, I'm not talking about taking away Madison Square Garden, he owns Madison Square Garden. Like, that's the deal. Like, when you say we're not talking about MSG, you are, because that's all a part of Dolan. That's, that's he controls all of it. So the moment that you say, hey, you're out as owner, 
he says, okay, the Knicks are out of Madison Square Garden. Like, I mean, he actually, I don't get me wrong, I would imagine there's a lot of contractual pieces that we'd have to look at. A lot. But, yeah, but when we start, well, just like it's not as easy to say, just remove that man from being an owner. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's too many complications. It just takes a vote of the other owners in silver. I mean, okay, it takes the other, uh, but, but it's, the process isn't complicated. The, to get to the point where you actually say, hey, we're going to do this. That's a complicated process. So now when we start talking about, okay, Knicks, he can't own them. Okay, Knicks, you can't play here. What's the NBA going to do then? We're going to put them in Brooklyn? Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's, there are pieces. Now you want to get a new owner who's going to come in and take over this team that doesn't – they don't have a home arena. You're going to tell the city of New York that they got to build one? Or, it's a, or, or what? What, are we going to move the Knicks now because of all – like, there's, there are hiccups with all of the different controlling interests – this is not just an open and shut. And, and again, my heart, <laughs> I would love to find a way to get Dolan out of there. My head tells me that just because he sucks at ownership, that's not enough. We talked about revenue earlier. You talked about revenue generation, right? We can look at tangible reasons as to why other franchises are catching up to the Knicks because the reality is the Knicks just don't win. The moment that that were to turn around, the Knicks' value would increase. I've never seen this happen with any other franchise where the stock market was impacted by the potential of a free agent coming to the Knicks. When LeBron made his decision to go to Miami, we can go back, we can go look at what happened to the stock market the day before he announces that decision and people thought that LeBron was going to go to the Knicks. Madison's cable vision, the value of those stocks, went through the roof because folks thought that LeBron was coming in and he brought value. If the Knicks could draft a guy, then all of a sudden that fixes the value piece, even if we know that free agents aren't going to come. And, of course, we do make the assumption that free agents won't come. Maybe there is some sort of a structure where they're able to find a way to minimize Dolan's impact and get free agents in. There's, there's nothing that says that that couldn't happen. We just don't believe that it will. And all of you a sudden, these 20 years of evidence that it won't. Okay. We had 20 years of evidence that it won't with the Clippers. We have how many years of evidence with different franchises and different sports around well, the world? And well, we don't say that we, we well, don't look. say that you take the owner out of the equation just because he's bad. Like, it, look at the Clippers and look at what happens when you do replace it with a bomber, right? It's better for the entire league. He brings in superstars and people that are apt and people that can do their job he restructures the team they had lob city they were not horrible right they the games we were talking about sitting out with the whole donald Sterling thing happened were playoff games they were not actually horrible anymore but bomber comes in and now they're a title favorite right like he they're building their own stadium so they're gonna have another arena for another venue for the nba to show off uh, he's trying to get them out at you know in carson city wherever it is like this is not necessarily a bad thing either i for them and that's because they did this replacement obviously what donald sterling is did is in that all that all you caught on tape is much more egregious but when you talk about i think you brought it up when you talk about the idea that hurting revenue is a problem i'm not ready to say that he has not hurt revenue of except you don't have any evidence to support that he has because the knicks continue to be the most valuable franchise in basketball so when you have the empirical data that says he has hurt revenue then you can take that to Adam Silver and say, we got to get rid of this man. Until we have some sort of data that's real, we can't say, all we can say is that the fact that the Knicks suck 
hurts their revenue. And the Knicks suck for a multitude of reasons, including their owner. But the owner also picks the front office guys. So Phil Jackson has impacted revenue as much as anything. Steve Mills has impacted revenue as much as anything. Isaiah Thomas has. And the fact that Stephon Marbury and Steve uh, Francis couldn't play together. The fact that Carmelo came here all by himself. The fact that, you know, uh, Amari Stoudemire ended up getting hurt after his first year. After he had a pretty good first year signing with the Knicks. The fact that Porzingis decided that he was going to leave, like all of those things hurt revenue because all of those things are evidence that the franchise sucks. They stink. They are awful. And the owner is a part of all of that, and he is bad. And I'm not saying that I would love to get a replacement. And I'm not saying that having a replacement wouldn't be better. Of course, if we could get Steve Ballmer to come own the Knicks, that'd be awesome. If Mark Cuban wanted to come by or Jeff Bezos wants to come by, listen, anyone's better than Dolan. But we can't take the team away just because he sucks at owning. Like, we would need something tangible like what happened with the Clippers to remove him from ownership. And I just don't think we have that. I don't think we have anything there. What we have are the fan emotional pieces where we say he's bad and we know it could be better. That's true. I don't think that that's enough for Adam Silver to invoke the right of firing one of his bosses. All right, Parker, let's talk about a little bit of class participation. We have our Twitter account, at FNSports2, and we've had some folks who've been interacting with us. They've definitely been present, so we're going to take attendance and talk about some of the folks that have been present in our Twitter account. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Michael, who uh, who has the Portland Trailblazers record as a part of his name, Michael28 and 36 right now. His Twitter handle is at PlayoffLetter0. And uh, we had a little interaction, a little exchange, because he thought that Dame Lillard is the best point guard in the NBA. And so on Wednesday night, he put out a tweet saying the best point guard in the NBA returns tonight as Lillard came back off his injury. And I corrected him and let him know that, hey, uh, actually, Steph Curry comes back the next night because I think that that's the best point guard in the NBA. Hey, Parker, talk to me. Do you think Dame is better than Steph? Uh it's interesting because there's like a big contingent of the Pacific Northwest that feels like Damien is super underrated and super hated on and da da da, and they may be valid. He's not better than Steph Curry. Like they both of you can be right <laughs> in the sense that Dame Lillard is like super underappreciated because there's so many great point guards in the NBA and he plays in the PNW and like the late night games always go to the Lakers and the Warriors and no one gets to watch him or whatever. But he can also not be as good as Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry is really good again. Noted Warriors hater on Twitter here. People hate, think I really, really hate that. <laughs> Steph Curry's a really good basketball player, and Dame Lillard is a, also a very good basketball player that is not as good as Steph Curry is. Like that, that, those can both be true. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you. Listen, as I said to uh, at Playoff Letter Zero, uh, I'll give you two reasons why he's better, and I just pointed to those MVP years, and I'll give you three more reasons why he's better, and I'll just point to his rings. So, hey, Parker. Uh, you take attendance now. What What's some interaction in terms of the Twitter account that you had this week? So through the FN Sports 2 Twitter account, I interacted with someone with a guy named Matt Moore. Most of you guys probably follow him without realizing because his Twitter handle is at HP Basketball. He writes about basketball for the Action Network. Um, and his Twitter bio includes the, cent- the two two lines, one that, I, that both that I really like. One is part-time maniac, and then the next sentence is, I hate your team. And that's very broad because I think everyone that follows Matt Moore or at HP Basketball, as he's probably better known, assumes he does hate our teams because he's pretty much always like very much follows the middle straight narrow, never too high, never too low. Um, We were going back and forth watching the 
Bucks Lakers game because it felt like, and he was pointing out that like he the tweet was LeBron remains God mode, and my response to him was that it felt like you know the Lakers are running away with this, but it's only a twelve point game, and through all the data analysis that Matt Moore himself runs. We know that the Bucks can eat up 12 points like nothing. Like, they go through 12 points in a heartbeat because of how well they shoot the basketball and how much attention Giannis gets when he drives and he kicks out to all these open shooters and so on. And we went back and forth about, like, yes, the Bucks do that, and yes, the Bucks can score 12 points in, what is, 30 seconds. But also, they're playing the Lakers in Staples Center with LeBron James. And what does that mean as far as is that 12 points really more like 24 points? Is it really more like 4 points? You know, what does that 12 points really feel like? Um... The Bucks ended up not coming back, but I did shoot Matt an eye emoji, the little double eyes, when it, they cut it to four points of five minutes. I was like, huh. This thing is close. <laughs> so, um, anyway, went back and forth a couple times. He's a great follow on Twitter. Um, anyway, he's, he's a fun guy to read, uh, but kudos to Matt for going back and forth the account and being present in class this week. No, absolutely. And that game was incredible. The Bucks, Lakers, I mean, I stayed up. And watch the whole thing, and I'm on East Coast time, so that's 1.30 in the morning when that game's ending for me, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was definitely a great game. And then uh, we had a, another account that was definitely present in our Twitter this week. Uh, the account goes by PickWise, and we, we were having an exchange back and forth around the uh, NFL CBA. We were talking about the piece where – uh, players are no longer going to be suspended for positive drug tests. And I just pointed out that I think that all the players are definitely going to be for that. And then I pointed out, you know, a guy like Josh Gordon better have 10 offers <laughs> from NFL teams now that he's not going to be suspended for his problem with marijuana. Um, and I know you interacted with the account as well, Parker. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's interesting because we both operate from the FN Sports account. And so it's interesting to see that, like, we both – we're drawn to this idea of the report being that substance abuse in regards to marijuana is going to be treated much different if the CBA gets passed. And I think we also went to different places with it. Me as a Texas homer and as a, you know, a guy that has grown up in Texas his entire life, uh, exception of college, I guess. But I immediately went to, does this mean Ricky Williams is about to sue the NFL for lost wages? Like what, what does, what does that mean for a guy that like whose career we basically took away two years in the middle of, right? Just said you need to sit away from football for a second and get off of marijuana. Now we're not even gonna punish dudes. I think he at least could sue for <laughs> all the wages he lost as a major NFL Pro Bowl level running back. Um, and who knows what his career would have been like had he been starting it in 2020 versus starting it in 1999. Like there's no telling. And, I mean, when you think about the reason that he came back, I mean, he retired and then came back to play for the Dolphins, and the, I mean, he needed money. That was a part of the reason and, why he ended up coming back. And they ran him into the ground. Into the ground. They were like, uh, what's, the, what's the record for carries in a season? Yeah, we're going to give Ricky at least 30 more, whatever that record is. Other Ricky Williams note, I mean, there, there are lots of reasons I'm fascinated by Ricky Williams. Um, has there ever been a running back that is so big and strong that he can take two years off to smoke pot in the woods, come back weighing 25 pounds less, and still be a power back. You run into the ground. <laughs> like, well, he's got to be the only one that could ever do that, right? Like, see, the, no, he, 
This is the football coach in both of us that when we talk to our players and we say, listen, you can be as big or as bad or whatever. I mean, really, it's about the size of your heart, right? It's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. And no one could ever question that Ricky Williams had fight. That dude could go. I mean, he was an absolute killer when he was at running back. So a uh, shout out to at playoff letter zero. Shout out to at pickwise. Parker, what was the account that we need shout to shout out? out? To HP Basketball at HP Basketball. Absolutely. All of you guys were present in class this week, and we definitely appreciate it. All right, that's all for this week. We had a couple of great thesis statements. Got to talk a little bit, Steph Curry. Got to talk about James Dolan. And then got to take a little bit of attendance for the folks that have been in our FN Sports 2 uh, Twitter account. We had a couple of changes to the pod this week. A little bit of format uh, moving. So hopefully you guys will give us some feedback. Tell us whether or not you enjoyed that, whether you think we should go back to some of the uh, old format things that we were doing. We're here to adjust and to respond. We love the interaction that we had in the Twitter account this week. So continue to interact with us, and hopefully we'll get some more people to shout out uh, on the pod. Parker, you want to go ahead and give them your socials? Yeah, you can find me on me personally on Twitter at, at Painsworth512. It's at Painsworth512. Um, you can obviously find me on, uh, you can find me on Instagram as well at, at pains with five one two. You can find the show on Twitter at, at FN sports two. Um, and I respond to both. If you're responding, if you're trying to get directly at me on the FN sports, make sure you throw in my name, but we'll obviously respond to you on either account. Yeah. And you can tell which one of us is in control of the Twitter account because we'll sign it either Park will sign it PA or I'll sign it CC. So you'll be able to tell. Sometimes we like to leave it a little bit ambiguous, um, especially if I'm actually pretending to be Parker. I like to be really ambiguous. Uh, we also have our Instagram page as well. So uh, the Instagram is F underscore N underscore sports. So if you want to hit us on the Instagram page, we'll definitely respond to that as well. Um, I'm at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S on both Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe, review, share this pod. All that stuff helps us. Thank you guys for listening to FN Sports this week. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.